This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular. I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, who graciously held down the fort for me over this past weekend when I was unavailable. I was somewhere on the streets of Las Vegas celebrating a friend of mine, so I appreciate Brendan taking the reins and going over a series that, I gotta be honest with you folks, I'm pretty happy I didn't have to talk about that one with Milwaukee, but we are here to talk about the Cubs sweeping a two-game set at Wrigley Field with the Seattle Mariners, winning 5-1 to on Monday and 6-1 to on Tuesday. So we will talk about that. We obviously, if you have been paying attention over the last couple days, have a good bit of roster news to discuss. Most of it is of the really good variety. Some of it is of the keep an eye on it, hopefully nothing variety, looking at you, Christopher. (laughs) But we will talk about all of that. And Brendan, uh, just to get you in here quickly, uh, the Cubs in in a predicament as it relates to the St. Louis Cardinals, but in this series against the Mariners. You have a bad team coming to Wrigley Field, only giving up two runs in the entirety of the two games, winning both games, taking care of business. At this point, it's all you can ask the Cubs to do. Yeah, it's it's hard to ignore what the Cardinals are doing. I mean, even winning that second game against uh, Seattle, you're looking at what Jack Flaherty is doing for St. Louis, and it's like, you know what? It's hard to sometimes enjoy these wins, but 
there still is a lot of baseball left, right? Like we even know what happened last year with the Cubs when they went up multiple games in Milwaukee. Last two weeks, they blew it. And the Cubs, all they need to do, and I said this in the last podcast, is get to those seven games against St. Louis within striking distance and take care of business. Yeah, so I think that is where we will begin. We can get into, I can run through these two games in a second here, but I I do just want to start with the big news of the day. And we knew that this was coming. We knew both of these things were coming, really. Uh, But Tuesday, a very good day roster-wise for the Cubs as Wilson Contreras is activated from his rehab stint. And Ben Zobrist returns to the top of the Cubs lineup, his first baseball games uh, at the professional level in the MLB since May 6th. And Brendan, man, was it good to see that name, Zobrist, at the top of this Cubs lineup. It has been a mess at the leadoff spot, that, that spot in particular consuming the soul, seemingly, of Jason Hayward over the last uh, several weeks, unfortunately. <laughs> and just, you know, we, we said at the outset that when Zobrist hit the restricted list in the first place, and we didn't really know what was going on, that really all we cared about was that Zobrist was okay and that he was able to take care of whatever was going on with him and his family. We've obviously since learned more of the details about that, but I'm going to leave that off because it's not really my business to be discussing. But it's really good, even just from a baseball perspective for sure, but from a human level, just to see Ben Zobrist back. He has meant so much to this team since he joined prior to the 2016 season. And obviously, he was the World Series MVP in 2016. Uh, the, the Cubs did win that World Series. They did, so yes. Cubs won the World Series in 2016, correct, yes. Right. Yeah. Obviously, as the MVP, he played a pretty big role in that series and obviously everything else that he has done for this team in his few years here. So just for for every reason, it was just so good to see him back out there. And I got home from Wrigley Field like 30 minutes ago after the game tonight and such an ovation for him. There there was a loud ovation when he was announced when they were doing the lineups prior to the game and the stadium was really only like half full and still just a loud buzz when he was announced as the leadoff hitter in the lineup. And when he came up, a standing ovation and of course Ben Zobrist being Ben Zobrist, he does not take the, you know, step back and tip his helmet or anything like that. No. You knew he wouldn't, right? He's just not that kind of guy. He's the get in the box and pitch. This isn't about me kind of guy, but a very nice moment at Wrigley Field. Good to see him back out there and good to see the fans showing such support. They were very loud for him all night from the minute he was announced, and it was just all around a really nice scene at Wrigley Field tonight. Well, even when he's not at his best, which he said he's not at his best right now, he's still searching for his swing. The first two at-bats he had worked full counts to lead off the inning or the game, which was his first at-bat. And that's the effect he has, where the first batter, boom, six pitches, then the Schwarber. Followed up the second time, boom, seven pitches, then the Schwarber. And despite him not being at his best, you know Ben is going to give you a quality at-bat. Yeah, absolutely. So overall on the night, he goes one for three with a walk and a strikeout. He scores two runs. And I think you're dead on, Brendan. Like you're, I I don't think that anybody, and we said this even when he started his rehab stint, like you should not be setting your expectation level too high because this is such a unique scenario. And 
asking a lot of any player, let alone a player that is 38 years old. So it's a tall task for Ben to come back and be anywhere close to as productive as he's been throughout his career. But you hit the nail on the head, Brendan. You know that he's going to be professional, and that is really valuable to this team right now. It's really valuable to a team that is at the bottom of the league in terms of contact rate. You need somebody up there seeing pitches, working at bats, making the opposing pitcher work. And we've heard from the front office guys, we've heard from Joe Madden a lot recently about needing to get back to working pitchers into the zone, making pitchers throw hittable pitches, not chasing as much. And that is something that Ben Zobris is going to do because he's not going to chase as much as some of these other guys. He's going to foul balls off. He's going to make pitchers throw mistakes, and he's going to put them in counts where they have to throw the ball over the plate if they want to get outs. So that is something that you can look for Zobris to improve. We'll see how often he's playing, how often he's leading off. It'll be interesting to follow along with this process because, again, it's it's really not something that I think we have many, if any at all, particular like frames of reference for this, like guys that have been as consistent as Zobris has been throughout his career, taking this prolonged of an absence, not due to an injury and not really being able to stay in baseball shape during that time, coming back and kind of just (laughs) jumping right back into things. Like, I'm not really sure what to compare this situation to or, or what we can really expect. But I, I think there are constants with Ben Zobrist and those things are really valuable to this team right now. And even just the pictures that like at Cubs was sharing on Twitter and the stuff that you could see on TV that I was able to watch after the game, just those moments like Stephen Green, the Cubs photographer who does great work. I think he's uh, at S Green photo on Instagram, but you already see his photos when at Cubs posts them, but you could follow him anyway. But he posted a great picture of Zobrist and Schwarber just like leaning on each other in the dugout. The photos after the game of Rizzo and Zobrist waiting at the edge of the infield for the outfielders to come in to celebrate that W in the handshake line. You can feel his presence, even as a fan, is so welcomed back for this team. And I think such a boost for this team to have that presence back. So all in all, good news. I thought Ben looked good. He made a couple of nice plays in the field. He made a a sliding stop that was really nice to get Johnny out of some trouble, Uh, handled the routine balls very well. So I think all in all, he looks pretty good. It's just going to be a question of how quickly he's able to get up to speed, I think, at the plate as, as he starts to face maybe some tougher pitching going forward here. But we did have one other return, Brendan, and similar to Zobrist, but very different to Zobrist. Uh, One Wilson Contreras comes back and provides a ton of energy in his own way. So I think where Zobrist is coming back and giving you that quiet professionalism, that great teammate type vibe, the the strong silent type, if you will, (laughs) Wilson Contreras is anything but silent. And he was anything but silent in his first at bat when he cracked a monster home run to left. I thought it was going to get the scoreboard, but I think it fell just short. But the the bat toss, the, the energy from him running around the bases, again, similar to Zobris. Like, boy, is it good to see that name in the lineup. No knock on Victor Caratini, who's done a really good job as the Cubs backup catcher all year. 
kind of a knock on Jonathan Lucroy. Uh, you know, that was just one of those signings, guys, where Joe got pretty carried away with that. I'm not sure what was going on there. I wasn't on the podcast this weekend, but you can bet that I would have been complaining about Jonathan Lucroy. I, I did that for you. Don't worry. Okay. Thank. Yeah, I, I did listen back, but I, you know, like, thank you for, for doing that. But we don't have to deal with that now because Big Willie is back, all right? And he is back with a vengeance. And again, like, Similar to Zobris, man, like we're not in that clubhouse. It's hard to tell, but even from the stands, even from watching the highlights, you know that Wilson is pissed <laughs> that he missed those few weeks. You know that he is rearing and ready to be back in that lineup doing damage, and he wasted no time, Brendan, putting the Cubs up one to nothing in this one in the bottom of that second inning with a solo home run. Again, man, like it's it's sort of the same conversation, but just different guys. But it is really good to have Wilson Contreras back in that lineup. Yeah, and any concerns that the power would not be there out, out the window, right? Right, like, and he all he almost hit a home run in that second. I know event. it, went it was just like five and feet to that left. ball too. Yeah, yeah, and that was my main concern because in 2017 he came back, same timeline, same injury, everything. But when he came back, no home runs in about 50 plate appearances. Right, so. Yeah, that was my concern. And if he, you know, if, if this is what he's going to be doing, then he's going to be going at the same pace he was before he even got injured, which is a huge boost to this lineup, especially with KB dealing with that knee injury, and then Rizzo is back and Javi's thumb. So we need Willie. We need Willie to step up right now, and he did so in a big way. Yeah, and obviously it's only one game, but just because you brought that up, like I, I remember periods during that 2017 season, I think when he came back from the injury where you and I would talk, Brendan, offline and ask, like, do you remember the last time <laughs> he hit that. a ball hard? Yeah. Like the last time he barreled a ball? And not in a, you know, let's dog Wilson way. Because he was still a, good. Like, like he was still producing just in a different way, just without the power yeah. during that stretch. And, and then, you know, you just like this. So I guess the point is just like looking at tonight, like, you can't read completely into one game, but the authority with which he was hitting the ball, the the comfort that he seemed to be showing on defense and running the bases, like he looks no worse for wear. Coming I know. Off I think I injury. think you can like extrapolate what you want out of that performance because, as you're saying, we never saw that not one yeah, time yeah. in 2017. So if there was any concerns, any lingering issues, he would not be able to do what he did tonight. You know, so yeah, I, he, I, I, he, it's he a big deal. Right. Yeah, he yeah. looks great. No, absolutely. Yeah, he, he was hitting the ball with authority all yeah. night. He was in that top of the first. It was a bit of a struggle for John in that top of the first, but Wilson had all the energy in the world. He's clapping into his mitt like every other pitch. Like he, he was pumped to be out there, and it's always fun to watch him play because he just has that childlike wonder and, and joy to be out on the field and you you miss that and maybe you don't even notice it when he's not when he's not out there but you you notice when he is back out there that you just miss like how pumped Wilson Contreras is when stuff happens when John got out of that first inning getting I out know, of the jam Wilson is skipping off the field screaming at Lester you're like yeah let's go like you need you need this guy out on the field like this is this is our guy this is our catcher this is my backstop and it's it's good to have him back so how is that back. how is that home run celebration by the way uh, a plus from the TV I don't know if you saw what happened but he threw the bat down Okay. And then he was pointing again. I don't know who he's pointing to. He's pointing to the fans and the bleachers, I think, but pointing around the bases. His his celebrations are next level, Corey. 
Yeah, I don't know if anything is going to top the two-handed slam from Castellanos. This was close. I'm telling you, this was close. This is an underrated celebration. I did say Castellanos, that was my favorite one of the season, but this, this is an underrated one. Yeah, I mean, a little harder to kind of get that vibe, I guess, from where I'm sitting in the stands than on TV, but the the crowd was was pumped, I was pumped, just the the whole thing was very exciting. The the, the whole vibe in that first uh, in that second inning was very exciting to have Wilson back. He got a nice ovation too. I am blanking. I don't think it was a standing ovation. Certainly not exactly the the raucousness of Zobris, but it was a very nice ovation from the fans for Wilson when he took that first at bat. Obviously, everybody at Wrigley, the Wrigley faithful, knowing that he's coming back after a lengthy absence. And yeah, the the the, the celebration, the home run, the length of that home run. It was a very like okay, Wilson's back. Let's go. Like we've got our guys back. Like let's go. But Bryant still dealing with this lingering knee thing, and if you look at the numbers, his performance has seemingly been affected by this, and I I know that he and the team have kind of routinely said that it's not that big a deal, it's just something that flares up a little bit, acts up on him, especially if certain things happen on the bases or in the field or at the plate where he's extending that knee a little bit. Um, but this one at least gives me a little pause. It's something that he's been dealing with for a little while now. And when you keep hearing about something over and over again, and every now and again, he's taking an off day just to rest it, or it's feeling sore again, it's, it's hard not to be at least a little concerned with it. But the, the word is that he's obviously, again, taking Wednesday off and should be back at some point this weekend. Um, so I, I, I guess we'll just have to see, Brendan, what, what is your, you're usually the more worried one of the two. What, what are you, what are you feeling about either of these injuries here? Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Yeah, I am kind of worried about Bryant. His last 50 plate appearances, Corey, numbers, not good. Striking out once every three plate appearances. His walk rate is kind of within range, but he's batting only 196. More importantly, his ISO is 109. He has one home run and only two doubles in his last 50 plate appearances. That's good for a 53 WRC plus, a Woba of 256. This is not Chris Bryant. These are not Chris Bryant numbers. This is not the type of performance he expects from himself. And you can only point to that knee injury. Like that's the only difference between now and and even in July. And there was a stretch too, like after that giant series going from July into August, 
he was going through a slump again. The knee healed up. He went on a little bit of a hot streak. And now we're back to what I think to be where we were in that giant series with that knee injury. So get Chris Bryant two days off, go into the Milwaukee series, get him back in the lineup, get Javi Baez back in the lineup, get Zobris batting leadoff, and see what it looks like. I, I am concerned, but I do have some cautious optimism that Bryant can rebound from his injury because he's already done so at least one point in a season. Yeah, and you and I have not been particularly kind to the Cubs medical staff, so far be it from me to give them the benefit of the doubt, but this knee thing happened a good while ago, the first time that that this flared up and, and when it like initially occurred. We're talking like months ago. So if to be fair, though, a, like he did come back and perform. I'm like, I'm, no, so, no, 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 no. So what I'm saying is, sure. is I'm agreeing with you and saying that it must just be the type of thing that flares up every now and again. And, and there's probably nothing that can be done about it. And as, as long as he's rested properly and doesn't have any maybe like over extensions when he's out in the field, it should be fine. What I'm saying is, is that we dog the medical staff, but even for them, this would be a monumental mess up if months ago something was seriously wrong with his knee that could have been addressed and now you're in September and it's just kind of like oh well whoops right well like, they've done that before though like I, that well, <laughs> you no know, so, you know where I'm going with they they did that with Darvish and they did that with Morrow so they so did they I'm did, they did misdiagnose these guys out. in the past yeah. I'm just saying I, I'm not a medical you know expert but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know, Corey. I don't think. It's I don't that know whether I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt or the opposite. It's hard to tell anymore. I but know. I guess just what I'm saying is that, especially given that it's Chris Bryant of all people, like this would be their number one f up to date. If that, if indeed this was not just something that there, there's nothing more they can do. You just have to rest it if it flares up every now. I mean, and it's again. kind of like the shoulder right. last year. Right. I mean, the well, same but thing with happens. the shoulder, he did not really have many stretches where he looked like himself, if if any at all. He, he had he's zero. had stretches post this knee injury where he's looked maybe his best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that's why that's why it's giving me confidence. Like if Brian was putting up these numbers for the last month and a half, he'd be like, "What the hell? Like I I don't right. know what's going on here. Why is he on the injured list? Blah blah blah." But it's one of those injuries, though. At the same time, even though he has been doing well, you don't know when it's going to flare up again, and you don't know if three days is enough time. And I, I, going back to that July stretch probably made more sense to put him on the IL. And once, for whatever reason, I cannot figure out for the life of me why the Cubs never use that injury list to their advantage. They've been doing it for the past month or so, but even in May and June and July, and even Rizzo to some degree, like he missed eight games, Corey eight games with no bench and this death was already messed up to begin with that that's a, that's a rant for a different day but point being i do have confidence that brian's injury can get beyond this current stretch because he did so already this year it's different from that shoulder injury for me because like you were saying he never showed that he was regular chris bryant at any stretch after last year's shoulder injury right 
Yeah, well, and, you know, just with the IL stuff, I I don't get it either, but come on, Brendan, it's not like a couple games is going to cost this team the division. Yeah. Oh, wait, Uh, (laughs) never mind on that, but uh, a little dark, a little dark. You're getting too dark for me. Hold on, but before you go on, before you go on here, so I want to just like lay out the land for what I'm talking about. Chris Bryant from August, what is this, August 5th, okay, August 5th to August 19th. He batted 306 with four home runs, two doubles, in 56 plate appearances. That's good for a 408 Woba. And that is after he took a Sunday off, Corey. So he took a Sunday off, similar to what he did on Tuesday, got scratched, came back, boom. Next two weeks, went on a tear. So maybe those two days are all that's needed. And then going throughout this entire month, if they do get to the playoffs, then you just rest them up. You give them a day off, maybe once every 10 games or so, or once every seven games, and just get them protected in that matter. Yeah, we'll see. So like I said, it, it's sort of something we just have to keep monitoring. I'm not freaking out yet, but I'm unnerved by it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, wish that we were not dealing it. with this because yeah. just, again, similar to th- that discussion we had a couple weeks ago about how you really feel the slumps from the bigger guys when the lineup isn't just clicking on all cylinders, like the, the, the situation that the Cubs are in right now with the way the team has played overall and where they are in the division, you need Chris Bryant to be peak Chris Bryant for the next yep. 25 games, whatever it is, 26 games, like you need it and you need it bad. You cannot have bargain Chris Bryant in the lineup like we did in 2018. Like the way that this has all gone, you need these guys playing at full strength and playing their best baseball. So I wish we were not hearing this right now, similar to how I wish that Rizzo didn't have a back thing flare up so recently and Javi having this stuff flare up. Like we need these guys ready to go and not dealing with this stuff. But unfortunately, there is not much that we or they can do about it at this point. So we will plug on. Uh, So let me just give a brief synopsis of this series, and then we'll talk about a a couple of things that really stood out now that we've kind of taken care. That's got to be one of the longest segments just on housekeeping, like roster stuff that we've done. This is September baseball. Yeah, it's just rare that uh, stuff like that takes half the episode, but here we are. And so we, I guess part of that too, is we only have two games with the Mariners here as the Cubs take both of them. Again, five to one on Monday behind Kyle Hendricks, a really good start for him. Six innings, three hits, one earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Really good stuff from him. He is followed by David Phelps, Dwayne Underwood Jr., and Brad Wick. Is that how you say it? It is. Brad Wick. Same thing as Rowan Wick. Ooh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about two Wicks, but that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll live with it, Brendan. I, I know you're going to probably want to talk about him a oh, little I bit. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's definitely he's, one uh, of those very guys nasty. where, well, just one of those guys that you see him and you're just like, oh, Brendan's going to have something to say about this oh, guy. You yeah. can just tell. So at least early on, it seems the Cubs won the C.J. Edwards trade with the Padres. So that's always good. Seem to have gotten a nice piece there in Brad Wick, not Rowan Wick. 
and the Cubs getting their offense on Monday. They fell behind in this game one to nothing. It was very scary late in this game, Brendan. I'm not going to lie. This was just not a game that you could be losing. And after being shut out twice against Milwaukee, the Cubs were shut out into the seventh inning, but it was the captain. It was Anthony Rizzo who breaks that scoreless drought. He singles home Jason Hayward. Kyle Schwarber with a bases clearing triple then to open the game up. This one hit off the first base bag and deflected into the outfield. That made it four to one. And then Addison Russell reaching on a fielder's choice to make it five to one. You have to tip your cap to the Seattle Mariners for deciding to intentionally walk Albert Almora in that inning to pitch to Kyle Schwarber. How some guys have jobs managing professional baseball teams, Brendan, I will not understand, but if I was uh, part of the Mariners' front office, I would be really heavily reconsidering what was going on over there because I don't know what data they were looking at that said that was a good decision, but all the power to them. Uh, We appreciate it, and really, I don't even say that to get back on my horse of dogging Albert Almora which I certainly could if I felt like it, but I don't. Uh, That was more because Kyle Schwarber is on one right now. And pitching around anybody really in the Cubs lineup, save maybe Nicholas Castellanos, and the numbers wouldn't even necessarily bear that out, actually, uh, is crazy. You should not be pitching around anybody to pitch to Kyle Schwarber right now because he is maybe hitting the best he has in his entire career in this stretch right now. And Brendan will have more on that in a second. And then just to wrap up, on Tuesday, the Cubs winning 6-1. to Ya boy, John Lester, number 34, the left-hander picking up his 12th win of the season. He goes six innings, allows six hits, four walks, and nine strikeouts. He had to pitch around some trouble in this game, but in typical John Lester fashion, typical BDJ fashion, I suppose he digs deep and gets himself out of jams. This tweet coming from Jesse Rogers of ESPN, he says, Seattle's at bats after loading the bases on John Lester tonight. They faced him four times with the bases loaded. They did a pop-up to short center, a strikeout, a strikeout, and a strikeout. If that is not typical John Lester, I don't know what is. He makes the pitches when he has to. So I thought uh, John looked pretty good in this one. It's been a nice couple games in a row for John here. And before I throw this to talking about Kyle Schwarber, because that's what we're going to talk about here. I think I already covered most of the offense in this game. The only other thing we didn't mention was Castellanos, of course, hits another home run. It's his 23rd on the year. Schwarber with a homer, his 33rd of the year, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago. Every homer he hits is his career high, so that is his new career high for the moment until he hits another one, probably on Thursday with the way that he is going. But just to to wrap up on John, I don't know that we'll have more to say about him. I think that these last couple starts are, are kind of indicative of what we've been saying about him for most of the year, where he doesn't look perfect in these starts, but these are the, the starts where you say, like, this is why we don't overreact and freak out and, and say bad things about John Lester when he has a couple of those blow-ups that he has all the time and 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 they've happened, you know, more frequently than I would like over the last couple of years, but it it's going to happen. We've talked about this, we've gone through why that happens and why it's okay, right? But 
this is kind of what you expect out of him and and what we're preaching maybe patience and just calming down a little bit with a guy who is 35 years old and who you shouldn't be looking to to be the best pitcher in this rotation. I said that at the beginning of the season. I, I was pretty open about that, that you shouldn't be expecting that. And I think that these starts are what we're looking at. He's obviously going to have better starts than this, but you know he's going to give you quality starts. He's going to battle in some of these games when he doesn't have his best stuff, he doesn't have his best command, and he's going to get you results. He kept the Cubs in that game against Jacob deGrom that they are then able to win. He went pitch for pitch with him for the six innings. DeGrom went an extra inning, but John kept him in that game. He gets a quality start, and he helps the team beat one of the best pitchers in the league. On Wednesday night against the, or excuse me, Tuesday night against the Mariners, again, not his best stuff, not a particularly good offense, but he gives you six innings. He gives you a quality start. He strikes out nine guys. He pitches out of some big jams, and he does his thing. So it's all just to say that he's going to have some absolute messes of games, like that one that he had against Oakland that was just a total nightmare. I was sitting at that game. It was a nightmare for me. (laughs) Just all around a bad time was had by all. It was like that guy from, I think it's that uh, Firefest documentary, like, bro, I am straight up not having a good time at this game, (laughs) was that Oakland game. But the reason we don't freak out about it and the reason that, you, you know, when you see people like, oh, he's washed or he should retire, it's ridiculous. He, he has plenty in the tank and he is so good at battling that there's no reason to overreact. He is perfectly fine for what the Cubs need him to do. He is perfectly fine for where he is slotted in this rotation at the moment and and the burden that this team is even asking him to wear. So uh, I, I, again, thought he, he didn't look great tonight. He didn't have his best command, but he finds a way to get it done. And, and I think that's kind of John Lester in a nutshell at this point in his career. You, you shouldn't be looking at him to be the ace of this staff, but writing him off completely or freaking out about some of those bad games is also not the way to go. He's a really good pitcher. He's going to battle, and he's going to give you a chance to win the game more often than not when he is on the mound. Anyway, Brendan, I want to talk about Kyle Schwarber, and yeah. I want to start by reading this tweet and statistic from Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic. And this, I think, Brendan, is a really wonderful way to put this into perspective because I know, and we've talked about this before, like Kyle Schwarber is a very polarizing figure for Cubs fans, Cubs media members, even members of the media that don't just strictly follow the Cubs. There are so many varying opinions of Kyle Schwarber that you could talk to 10 people on the street and they would give you completely different answers, all 10 of them, of what they think about him, what his most valuable trade is. Half of them would say he should be a DH in the AL. Half of them would be talking about the batting average. Who knows, right? It's all over the place. But I think that Sahadev has found a way to make this click, to get this point through to anybody, even the most ardent of Schwarber haters. I think you would have to understand the context when it's put this way. Nicholas Castellanos has a 1081 OPS since joining the Cubs on August 1st. So let's pause there, Brendan, and I want everybody especially if you're listening and you are not big on Kyle Schwarber. You're stuck on that 220, 230 batting average. You just can't get over it, all right? 
first of all, I appreciate you continuing to listen to the podcast because we're not particularly nice to batting average people. But, I, you know, look, we can all have different opinions, right? But think about how good Nicholas Castellanos has been, how just amazing you feel the impact of Nicholas Castellanos since he came over to the team, how when he hits those home runs, you're thinking, my God, this guy is unbelievable, right? Kyle Schwarber, since July 28th, just a few days before Nicholas Castellanos joined the team, has a 1096, so 15 points higher OPS than Kyle, than Nicholas Castellanos. So, Brendan, I think that is a perfect way to put this into context because I think anybody that has been watching this team all year and certainly since Castellanos joined the club is almost floored by how good he has been and the value that his bat has provided and just the sheer level at which he is producing on a consistent basis. And in that span, by OPS, Schwarber has been a better hitter. Wild. Wild. This this is crazy, Corey, because this might be like Schwarber's clicking point for him. And I say that without exaggeration. I think this might be the point at which we look back, like, okay, that's when Schwarber made that adjustment that worked. Here's why I think that. April, strikeout rate of 30%. May, strikeout rate of 28%. June, 26%. All of a sudden in July, it goes down to 20%. But the numbers were not good in July. You and I were on this podcast saying, why why is Schwarber looking like he's reaching right. and extending, making all this weak contact? Well, he had a Woba of 317, a WRC plus of 93. Maybe that was like his adjustment phase where he wanted to go to the opposite field more. He wanted to make more contact. What happened in August? Strikeout rate of 22%, a WOBA of 400, his highest WOBA of any month this year by 50 points, a WRC plus of 147. And that's in line, Corey, with his one of his lowest monthly strikeout rates of his career. So he's striking out less, and he's hitting the ball further, and he's getting more runs. His batting average is up. It's two. It was 263 in in, in uh, August. His OBP was over 360, and everything starts to click. And he's doing all of this by going to the opposite field with authority. Okay, so if we imagine like a strike zone, pitches center in into the outside. Schwarber used to pull them quite often. Believe it or not, he used to pull those outside pitches. You look at that same area. Now he's taking the ball to the opposite field. And those shifts, those defensive shifts, which I hate so damn much, he's getting beyond that. In the second game of the Mariners, uh, what did he do? First at bat, boom, line drive to left field. Second at bat, boom, line drive up the middle. Over the shift, over the shift. And so if Schwarber keeps doing this, if he keeps striking out this fewer amount of times, if he keeps going out there and hitting the ball with authority to the opposite field with power, that is the adjustment he needed to make because his exit velocity is greater than 95% of the league. It's just he pulled the ball too much. He struck out a little bit too much. 
Now he's corrected that. So what's like the numbers, of course, are going to go up. And this is the first stretch in any time in his career that I can remember where his expected numbers, now they're lower than his actual numbers. Now he's finally not getting screwed. Corey, I'm pumped. I think Schwarber right now is one of the better, most consistent hitters on this team and capable of projecting going forward as one of those guys. And also, too, I love him batting second. It's just a little bit of a nitpicky point here, but love him batting second in favor of Castellanos. I'd rather have Castellanos, who's a high batting average guy, be in the middle of the order. I'd rather have Schwarber, who produces the same amount of runs, but does it differently, gets on base a little bit more, can set the table where now the RBIs are more suitable for Castellanos. So, Corey, Schwarber, he's doing it, man. He's adjusting successfully. The numbers are coming up. And if there's any point where you're always wondering when Schwarber would make that one adjustment, this might be it. Yeah, this is a rather exciting development. And I think just watching the way he looks and the the way that he is moving the ball, I I think that you feel that something has changed. And it's obviously something you want to see over a longer period of time. But we were talking with Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com, and he was saying, like, this is what Schwarber can be, and he's doing it for a a lengthy-ish period right now. And it's crazy exciting because this is the type of hitter and these types of numbers that everyone has always imagined, certainly that the front office has always imagined. And Tuesday's game against the Mariners, the finale with the Mariners, was a perfect showcase of what happens when you make an adjustment like this, right? You see him, he rips the double to the opposite field gap to start things off. Then he, like you said, Brendan, singles up the middle. So he's already in those two at-bats, found ways to mitigate how many singles and doubles he loses from all those guys staggered on the right side of the field, taking away those hard hits. And even when he did hit the ball to the right side, what's the best way to avoid the shift, Brendan? Hit a freaking tank. That was beautiful. It's a beautiful execution of what appears to be a very deliberate game plan by Kyle Schwarber. And you can tell that this is not something that's happening by accident. He's not just running into these opposite field hits or sticking his bat out and like looping the ball into left field. That first hit in the game on Tuesday was somebody looking to go the other way, hitting a rocket into the alley. That was a deliberate approach and it may force teams to rethink the way that they play him. And and again, it was just so beautiful because he avoids the shift the, the few times that he keeps the ball in the stadium and then just hits one 415 feet and <laughs> says, look, you know, like shift this, right? Like shift however you want. Like I'm not hitting it to you anymore. I'm done getting my 110 mile an hour ground balls and line drives eaten up by one of your stupid fielders playing in shallow right field. And I'm going to figure out a way around this. And again, like going back to that number from Sahadev, I do think that's a perfect way to frame it. And again, like you said, Brendan, like Cassianos gets his, he eats in a very different way than Kyle Schwarber. They're they're very different offensive players. But it it was fascinating to me. I, I knew that Schwarber was playing better. You, you can tell that he has been really good and, and going the opposite way for a little while now. But I never would have said that he had a higher OPS over the last month plus than Cassianos did. It just seems like Cassianos is living on another planet. 
But I, I think that's wild. a very interesting way to frame that. And and like you said, when you were talking about the lineup order, very different ways that they do it. And, you know, if you don't just look at OPS, you could certainly argue that there's more value in one way over the other. But still fascinating that Schwarber has found a way to even be in that conversation. It really just felt like Castellanos was literally like in some other planet with the way that he's been playing. And by certain metrics, Schwarber's been better. So I think that's got to have you pretty excited. He also adds an outfield assist in this game with a nice throw uh, to nab a runner at second base. And that was a, you know, a, a pretty nice play in this game. So he uh, is been an up and down season for Kyle, but I, I think this development is particularly I- exciting. I, I think if he is able to keep this up and continue playing like this, it's it's going to be a big deal. And like we were talking about with Javi and KB and some of these guys dealing with nagging injuries, th- this whole season has kind of been about some of these other guys stepping up. And Schwarber had done that for spurts, but if he's able to play like this, and you know maybe this isn't a hundred percent sustainable, a you know thousand plus OPS, but just in that range, it's huge for this team. And again, kind of something we've been looking for for a while here, Brennan. Like takes a little bit of the pressure off of some of these guys, and even someone like Castellanos. Like you can't ask him to play at the level that he's played at for the entirety of his time with the Cubs. You're going to need some of these other guys to step up, and right now Schwarber is doing just that. And so before we get into the series preview with the Brewers that we have coming up after the off day on Wednesday, I did just want to read because we were talking about him, but not necessarily gushing over him as as we had been. I do want to read this quote from Ben Zobrist on Nicholas Castellanos. And Zobrist says, quote, there's something added that wasn't there before. He's obviously a special kind of hitter, and the way that he's hit since he's come here is pretty impressive. I just wanted to read that because it's cool to hear from someone. Obviously, Ben is as in tune with this particular group and this iteration of the Chicago Cubs more than most, right? And so for someone like him who has that veteran status, who who has the reputation of being such a baseball professional and baseball lifer type guy, it's cool just to hear him say, like, there something is different here. Like, I came back and I felt this guy's presence. It's, it's uh, just something I wanted to read because, you know, again, like, this this wasn't necessarily a Nick Castellanos goes crazy series, though he did have a home run in that game on Tuesday. But I just thought it was interesting to hear from Zobrist on something that wasn't there when he was last with the team and just get his first impression on what's been going on here and what Castellanos is bringing to the group. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. 
Yeah, so with Zobris back in the lineup, Corey, do you want to see Castellanos still in that second spot? I know we're nitpicking here. I know lineup, you know, construction's overrated to a degree, but Zobris coming back, Wilson coming back might shake up the lineup. Do you want to see Castellanos remain in that second spot? Um, I, I mean, I think it's been working. I, I think that it was always kind of an interesting choice because his numbers were always so much better against left-handed pitching, but he's, Joe's just kind of slotted him into that two spot pretty much, I mean, literally on right. a nightly basis. Um, honestly, dude, like I, I don't care. <laughs> like I know, I know that sounds weird to say like, but I, I actually just don't care. I, I think that depending on who it is, it's, it's a marginal difference. Um, and I, I just want this group to click and I just want them to win games. I, I, it's, it's unfortunately like this is again, why we rail on some of the, the lesser performing players and some of the decisions that Joe makes and certain things that happen is, is because you get to this point where I'm answering like this, like, I don't care who the two hitter is. You're three games behind the Cardinals with 25 ish games. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm nitpicking, left. but, but some of those lineup decisions right now in these 30 games do make a difference. Yeah. But like, like where Castellanos is, I, I don't think is one of them. So whatever Joe wants to do, I, I like you, I, I did like the configuration tonight. Obviously you're missing yeah. two of your better hitters. But I, I liked Schwarber there, and I liked Castellanos hitting a little deeper. Uh, I think, obviously, if you're able to set the table for him, pretty exciting when Castellanos comes up and there's a bunch of base runners on. Like, that's that's with the way that he's played, kind of, I think, the way that you would want to draw it up. But I don't know. And, like, part of that depends, too. Like, is Chris going to come back and just be normal? Is this going to be a lingering problem? I, I, I don't know. So I, I just want them to win games. And with the group they have, depending on what Zobris is able to do and if he continues to look pretty good out there, this, this as it's, you know, should have been for a while now, but, you know, you see in games like on Sunday, it has not been the case. Uh, you got to put the best players on the field. That's the key, right? And we're talking about Schwarber and the adjustments that he's made and how much how, how much better he's looked. He, he's got to be in the lineup every day. Uh, unless he needs a rest, you have to put him in the lineup. You got to. That's put why the, I was so perturbed when Tony Kemp was right. starting over Tony Schwarber. Tony Kemp should in, not in be Mets starting series. any of these games. Like how? Like, None of them. That makes that makes no sense to me though. Why that even happened, and that 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 does give me pause. Like with with Joe's decisions, not to bash Joe because we yeah. you know we've done that a few times, but those are the types of decisions that drive us insane. There's, you and I were talking about this before we got on, and this is an odd way, I guess, to end this podcast because we're not really going to have all the time in the world to delve into this. And I, and that's well, I want to say one more best. thing about Wick too when when you finish this up. Yeah, sure. Series, I, I ahead, was just going to say that, like, look, I know that injuries happen. I, I know that things have been a little weird with some of these position players, but sometimes, man, and and I don't know if you guys listening agree or disagree. It really doesn't feel like the, this team, and maybe Joe specifically, how involved the front office is in some of this, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. But there's just games where it doesn't feel like they're acting like they're three games out with under 30 games to play. Like, to me, again, I know people are hurt. I know the roster's just expanded. You want to, you know, get some guys back in the fold. But, like, you need to be playing your best roster every single day and it just there's just games where you're looking around going like they're kind of acting like there's a lot of time for this to get figured out and there's really not like 
I, I don't know. I, like, again, not to go back to that series this weekend, but just like you, you can't have Jonathan Lucroy hitting in the middle of your lineup when you're three games out of the that, division that with happen. 25 games left, Brendan. Like, I don't care who's hurt. I don't care who's available. It cannot happen. So yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things where, you know, your original question was, where do you want Schwarber? Where do you want Castellanos? Where do you want Zobrist? I don't know, but those are the guys that need to be... I don't know how you arrange all the pieces the pieces of the puzzle, but those need to be the pieces. That's what matters yeah. to me. I don't care where you put them, but like at this point in the season, Tony Kemp should be not starting. Albert Almora should not be starting right? The, this is just the way that things are. Jonathan Lucroy should not be starting. And he, if he is, or, you know, even Caratini, like you need your best hitters at the top in the middle of the lineup. If other guys have to play because they need rest or there's injuries, fine. They go at the bottom of the order and it's as infrequent as it possibly can be. And I guess just the point of this little mini rant to end the podcast is it doesn't feel like that sometimes. Like Sunday is unacceptable. Brendan, that cannot happen. You don't have the time for that. Like I, that, that's really one of those where you're like, "Am I taking crazy pills?" Like, does does Joe not understand that there is not time for this? I don't know. Yeah, but I, I didn't get to I didn't get to talk about that weekend series. So even though the Cubs just won these two games with the Mariners, I had a little bit of pent up rage left over because, like we kept saying, man, like. This is why we freak out about this stuff, because there's nothing to stop the Cardinals from just not losing again, and there's nothing to stop the stupid Reds and the stupid Giants and these other loser teams from just rolling over and dying for them just like they did for the Brewers last September. So that's why we freak out about this stuff. That's why we overanalyze how many games Daniel Descalso has played in June, because here we are, folks. Like, <laughs> it's just out of their control. And then, like, the Cubs play a really nice couple games here, and you are you get some of these guys back. You're hoping that KB and Javi can come back after this off day, but it, it's you do not control your own destiny anymore, and it just makes it very frustrating. Like, it's, it's a very nice couple wins here uh, against a bad Seattle team you cleaned up. And like you kind of said at the beginning, Brennan, like, I'm spending the whole time looking at what the Cardinals are doing. It because sucks. I'm just like, well, like we have to win this game. Like, we don't even get anything out of winning this game, right? Like, so yeah. I don't know. That That's that's my little thing here. But as always, like, take the off day. We'll be back and ready to go. We got to take care of business. Put those blinders on. But hit me with uh, what you've got on Brad Wick here. Okay, so Brad Wick, he was traded midseason. He went on this, like, I don't know the name of this list, but it's a restricted list. And so what happened was... He went to the pitch lab, Corey, and he incorporated a knuckle curveball, or rather, sorry, I'm, I'm mixing that up with Darvish, a spiked curveball, the same type of curveball that the other wick, that Rowan wick incorporated based on that pitch lab as well. So what happened? Okay, so Brad Wick gets called up. By the way, again, this guy strikes out two guys per inning, gets called up, immediately showcases this new curveball. It is disgusting. He made Kyle Seeger look like a little leaguer, ducking for safety. And this curveball just goes right back in the middle of the strike zone. So this curveball is moving more vertically than 92% of major league lefty relievers. 92%. With San Diego, it was moving only around 75% more 
than your average lefty reliever, which is still pretty good. But the difference between 75% and 92% is a pretty big deal. And, and you, you see it too. Like it just looks nasty. And with Wick, because he's six foot nine, because he's so big and intimidating, and because his delivery is so wacky, he starts off on the third base side of the rubber. He steps towards Kyle Ryan style, that first base side. And then he releases this pitch, not at your expected like vertical release point for someone that large. His extension is so great that the point at which he lets go of the ball looks similar to a regular average lefty, like a Jose Quintana type lefty. That's how much he's coming at you in the batter's box with that type of stuff. It's a wild delivery, a wild pitch. That fastball-curveball combination is absolutely lethal. And having Kyle Ryan and Brad Wick be those lefty specialists could be a huge deal down this stretch. Having those two guys to face those lefties would be exactly what many people wanted the Cubs to do at the trade deadline. Like We knew we wanted a reliever, maybe a lefty reliever to compliment Ryan. We didn't get it. Brad Wick actually may have been that. We had no idea. Okay, so with that being said, like, yeah, I'm pumped up about uh, Brad Wick. With that being said, let's go ahead and preview this upcoming series in Milwaukee. So the off day is on Wednesday. The Cubs will travel to Milwaukee. First game on Thursday, four-game set. That game starts at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. Jose Quintana on the mound for the Cubs, 12-8 and with a 3.9 ERA. The Cubs will face Chase Anderson. They just blew up Chase Anderson in his last start. Anderson on the year, 6-4 and four with a 4.58 ERA. And then on Friday, a 7.10 p.m. Central start time, Cole Hamels back on the mound, a very nice 3.69 ERA. He'll be facing Zach Davies from Milwaukee, who just came back from injury, pitched well against the Cubs last time out, but we'll see what happens. Second time facing them within as many weeks. Davies on the year, 8-7 and seven with a 3.76 ERA. On Saturday, as far as we know, you Darvish is the probable starter. He did get scratched his last start. All signs point to him being back on the mound on Saturday. On the year, he's 5-6 and six with a 4.25 ERA. Gio Gonzalez will be facing the Cubs, who is 2-2 two two with a 4.14 ERA. On Sunday, to finish off the four-game set, this one a day game, a 1.10 p.m. Central start time. Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs, 9-9 nine nine with a 3.39 ERA. For Milwaukee is Adrian Hauser. Hauser on the year is 6-5 with a 3.45 ERA. The Cubs still remain three games back of the division. They are 75 and 63. Cardinals 78 and 60. Milwaukee, they are 71 and 67. Four games back of the Cubs in the wild card. Seven games back of the Cardinals in the division. The Cubs remain two games up in the wild card. Again, four games back or four games up of Milwaukee. So they still have a little bit of a cushion, but not enough to be comfortable with. And then just to get the lay of the land for the Cardinals play. So the Cardinals, unfortunately, for the time being, are going to go ahead and play uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. But things get, get tough after that. So they go ahead and they're going to play Arizona. They're going to play Colorado. They're going to play Washington. They're going to play the Cubs multiple times. They're going to play Milwaukee. After this Pirates series that they're going to play this weekend, the schedule gets tough for them. So again, the Cubs, in my mind, how I'm operating is get to these last seven games against St. Louis, get within striking distance, get within one game, two games, and just hope 
that you take care of business with a deep roster that now includes Ben Zobrist, a healthy Wilson Contreras, hopefully a healthy Javi Baez and Chris Bryant, and have the rotation do exactly what it's been doing the past few weeks. Have the bullpen do more or less what they've been doing the last week or so, and play good baseball and let it work its way out. The Cubs were in the same position that the Cardinals are in right now last year with Milwaukee. Milwaukee got incredibly hot. The Cubs, that is within the realm of possibility, whether that's going to happen, who knows? But as Joel Madden said, when it clicks, it's going to be something special. So if there's any time for this team to click, it's right now, Corey. Things to look for this series. I want to see Zobrist, how much time he's going to get. Look at that second spot in the order, whether it's going to be Castellanos or Schwarber again. Schwarber having that monstrous game in the second spot might move Joel Madden to put him there more often against Fridays. How's Chris Bryant going to come back from injury? How Javi Baez is going to come back? Rizzo's back, etc. So those are the main points. Go out there, take care of business. Four-game sweep in Milwaukee back here on Sunday. Let's hype it up. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean that's all there is to it, man. Uh, we've I, I've said this uh, a few times now, I think, and it remains as true today as any other time I've said it. You've got to put blinders on, and you've got to win games. And it's leave it to us, the fans. You know, me worrying in section two sixteen of Wrigley Field. Like I'll look at the scoreboard, I'll deal with the Cardinals and what they're doing against the Giants or whatever loser team they're playing at the moment. The Cubs, the actual physical baseball players on the team need to put their head down and do work over this next month and then the rest of what is remaining on this season. Because Brendan, I have said this to you offline and I use way more colorful language in describing it, but we are going to let Mike Schlitt and his band of idiots from St. Louis win this division over my dead body. The Cardinals are so mediocre. It's disgusting that we are in this position that some sub-90 win Cardinal team has a chance of winning the NL Central in this Cubs window. It cannot it cannot stand. Brendan, I won't stand for it. You won't stand for it. All of our loyal listeners, you shouldn't stand for it. So it just can't happen. The Cubs need to put their head down and take care of business. They can really put a nail in Milwaukee's coffin if they take care of business this weekend in Milwaukee. And then you're probably going to be looking at those seven games you've got remaining with the Cardinals. But until you're dealing with them on your own, you need to put your head down and win games. That's what they did at Wrigley in these two games against the Mariners. And that's what you have to do going forward. You cannot have a series like you just had at Wrigley against the Brewers. There's no time for it. Again, there is nothing to stop other than the seven that you play them. There is nothing to stop the Cardinals from just running through these other teams, everybody laying down for them as their season comes to an end, and the Cardinals just catching a heater at the right time. So you got to take care of business because I'm telling you, Brendan, if this loser Cardinal team wins this division— we're we're going explicit. There's no question. I mean, it's going to be an absolute mess on this podcast if that actually happens. So we just can't let it happen. We need and anything you can do, any amount of en- energy or good vibes or however you like to send that energy to the Cubs. You got to do it for these next few weeks. They need it. We got to be there for them, and we got to hope that they can take care of business because for the millionth time. Brendan, the millionth time that you or I have said this on this podcast, the Cubs are the best team in this division. They are way better 
than the season that they have had, and whatever their overall record is going to be, they should be better than it. So you've got a month to rectify this and and try to make up some of those games that routinely this team has found ways to throw in the trash, right? If we looked at the list, uh, what there are three games behind the Cardinals. You could pick three games so easily. You could pick three games a month from this team that they have just absolutely thrown in the garbage and you'd be right there. So you've got a few weeks here to rectify that and make it so we don't have to do that. We don't have to relitigate some of those early losses, some of those blown bullpen games, etc. Make it irrelevant. Take care of business, win a division, and don't let this evil, disgusting Cardinals team managed by another one of those morons that they give a contract to and hire to run the team. Do not let them win this division. I am literally, I am literally begging you not to let that happen. All right. But however it plays out, Brendan and I will be here to deal with it with you. But like Brendan, I am hoping that we get back on here on Sunday and we are hyped up. Maybe the Cardinals have lost a couple games in that span and the Cubs take care of business in Milwaukee and we can head into those last few weeks ready for the Cubs to win this division. That is what I hope we are doing on Sunday and I hope you will join us for it. So for Brendan and me, Corey, thank you for listening to another episode of the Cubs Related Podcast as we get down to the nitty gritty here in the stretch run and, and headed towards whatever the month of October may hold for the Chicago Cubs. So we appreciate you guys listening all season and tuning in uh, during this very, very stressful portion of another season of Cubs baseball. But we will talk to you again on Sunday. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Cubs. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? 
The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.